into our topic, obstructive sleep apnea. Again, I am saying that this information you won't find in Quick Facts and or in um, the V2 right now. So this is social media content strictly for you. When we talk about obstructive sleep apnea, this is a obstructive disease, right? So that means something is being blocked, something is being closed, and it is essentially a, a disease that happens when a person is asleep, okay? And they're having a decrease in their airflow, okay? A decrease in their airflow, particularly while breathing. And this is the upper airway that is being obstructed. You will need to know about this because when you become a nurse, this is one of the most common sleeping, breathing disorders that people have, especially in America, especially. This is, uh, I would, I, I almost want to say it's an environmental disease, but you can't specifically say that. But a lot of Americans have this. I think my mom has it right now and she's just refusing to acknowledge that this is what this is, okay? So anyways, what happens is there is an upper airway collapse during sleep. Um, obstructive sleep apnea has been linked and may be the cause of some of the most debilitating medical diseases. So that's why I'm talking about it, um, because this particular disorder is going to be related to hypertension, cardiovascular disease, insulin resistant diabetes, depression, and this, 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 sleepiness related accidents. Oh my goodness. Sleepiness related accidents. If you know somebody with obstructive sleep apnea, you know that because they're not sleeping great at night in the daytime, mm, we are talking about can barely keep their eyes open. So obstructive sleep apnea, the clinical manifestations, I was just talking about one, the daytime sleepiness, two, at nighttime snoring, choking, gasping during sleep. And so this is why it's not usually the patient who reports sleep apnea. Who is it usually that reports sleep apnea? Because the person typically does not know that this is going on, which makes it so dangerous, which makes it so dangerous because the person is just like, I'm just so tired during the day. Usually it's the what? It's their partner. It's their spouse who says, you're choking at night. I can't sleep because you're snoring so loud. And this is a condition where what? Yeah, Mark, the person sleeping next to them. So when they wake up, I have one of the clinical manifestations is a morning headache. What is causing what is causing that morning headache? Can we can we kind of sum up what may be causing them to have a morning headache? Because when they wake up, they feel terrible. They literally feel terrible. Why do they feel so bad? What's the problem? Critical thinking. What's the problem here? Um and then so when they wake up, they say, I'm more tired than when I was sleeping or before I was sleeping. I'm waking up after being asleep for eight hours, more tired than before. And so these are cues that you're going to have to pick up. Maybe I'll put this in the seven days. 
These are just subtle cues you're going to have to pick up. So what's causing them to have the headache is they're losing what during their sleep? They're losing oxygen, right? Because they're their oxygen is being cut off while they're sleeping. That upper airway, that pharyngeal airway is closing. So yeah, you go through a lack of oxygen. You spend two hours cumulatively without oxygen, you're going to feel like garbage when you wake up in the morning. And so that's what happens. And then the patients are so sleepy that during the day they can't function. That's why if this isn't treated, it's dangerous for these type of patients to do what? Because during the day, you're usually out and about. What should these type of patients typically not be doing if they have obstructive sleep apnea? And this is where this is where safety comes in as a nurse. Because like when I'm talking to somebody like my mom and she's like, oh, it's not that bad. I have to tell her look, mom, if you have this condition and you're sleepy during the day, then guess what you should not be doing during the day? Exactly. You should not be behind the wheel of a car. Um, and this is, and, and I, you, if you guys know this, you should not be driving. You should not be operating heavy machinery, right? What else do you guys have to say? cooking, maybe even cooking. And I'm saying this as a personal experience because my grandmother, my mom's mom had this very, very badly before she really got treatment for it. And she took me to elementary school. So in the mornings, myself, my brother was in the first grade. I was in the second grade. It would be like a game who could keep grandma up until we made it to school. And that would be like a 10 minute drive. But back then, these type of things weren't really like recognized. Black women, we usually don't get care when we need to. And so literally getting in the car with my grandma during the day was like playing Russian roulette because you did not know if you were going to make it because she was always falling asleep. So I say all that to say this is a dangerous condition and there are classifications of this. So um, uh-huh, mild classifications five to 14 respiratory events per hour of sleep. That's mild, <laughs> right? Moderate, 15 to 30 respiratory events per hour. That's a long time for your airway to be closing. And then severe, more than 30 respiratory events per hour of sleep. So there's stages in which this occurs. Complications. And remember, we're doing NCLEX. We're doing NCLEX questions about this specific one uh, topic today. So be taking notes in your mind at least. The complications are the daytime drowsiness. The complications are neuropsychiatric dysfunction. What could I mean when I say that neuropsychiatric dysfunction? What does that mean to you when we're talking about? Um, obstructive sleep apnea. And I'm just going to, while you guys think about it, I'm going to go on and talk about cardiovascular and cerebrovascular morbidity. That makes sense. You're going to have heart problems. You're going to have, um, like I said, hypertension could be an issue. Pulmonary hypertension or right heart failure as well. And when you're not getting enough sleep, you have these risk factors of 
um, that we're going to talk about in a second. These things are going to add to metabolic syndromes. And you're going to have issues like type 2 diabetes, mellitus. Okay. So going back up to neuropsychiatric dysfunction, you're going to have issues with a decrease in oxygenation in your brain. This is going to decrease your ability to memorize things. So you're going to have some short-term memory loss because your brain is dead, right? Literally, when you don't have enough oxygen, those brain cells begin to die. So memory loss is a huge issue. Poor judgment. I like that. Poor judgment is a big issue in obstructive sleep apnea. Risk factors. Let me go back. So risk factors, there are essentially structural uh, factors in the body that can contribute to a frequent upper airway closure. And then also there are non-structural factors. So structural factors is anatomy. Maybe you have, a, 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 I don't want an odd shaped face. And so you may have issues with your pharyngeal airway staying open, just basically because of your anatomy, how you how you came out of the womb, all right? And there's really nothing that can be done um, from a, like a nursing perspective. Like you may need surgery. There may be some things that you may need to get done in order for that to be appropriate and open. But I'm talking about in America, most people have the non-structural risk factors that they are needing to overcome. Obesity is one of them. Huge issue. Obesity can contribute to this. Um, central fat distribution. So people who are more obese around the, the midsection, maybe they have skinny arms and legs, but that middle section is carrying a lot of adipose tissue, a lot of fat. Males typically um, deal with this more than females, even though females can have it as well, right? Age, middle-aged people. Middle age, this typically begins in a middle age transitioning into in, uh, an elderly age issue. Postmenopausal state, so that just speaks to women who have it their age range. Alcohol use, yeah, sedative use. Smoking, we're always gonna, whenever we're studying for NCLEX, just throw smoking in there. If there's any kind of <laughs> issue, smoking is never gonna make it better smoking is always going to make it worse. Hypothyroidism, because, you know, when we don't have enough of the thyroid hormone, everything tends to go down um, as far as function goes. And also, when you talk about the um, pharyngeal airway, when you don't have enough thyroid hormone, sometimes... Um, the, the, the weakening of those muscles that can be used for breathing, it can contribute to that upper airway collapsing, okay? What else do we have here? Neurologic syndromes. And I think that's still being um, specifically studied as well as stroke, makes sense, and acromegaly, acromegaly. All right. The diagnostic tests, you have the polysomnography, okay, or polysomnography, how you want to say it. And that is essentially measuring sleep, 
measuring sleep. And this is considered the best way to determine whether a person has obstructive sleep apnea. And there are two types of nighttime visits because you're going to go and you're going to stay at either a sleep center or a clinic overnight, which is why my mom doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to go overnight, but this is what you have to do. So anyways, the full night, what you're going to have is monitoring your patient uh, during a typical sleep period. So you go in there like you're about to go to bed and you are put on a um, put on a monitor and it is going to measure your oxygenation. Um, it's going to measure your breathing patterns during the night. A split night study is where um, the person comes in and they're only studied during the first part of the night. So it's kind of weird. It's like um, you can choose to have your your readings done at night, right? And then you can also at the first part, and then you can choose to put on like a CPAP machine, and then you can choose to look at how you function with interventions. And then they'll look at the two and they'll say, okay, well, certainly when you have a CPAP machine on, you're doing better. These are your numbers. And when you don't have one on, these are your numbers. So you can do a split night study or a full night study. Laboratory tests that um, are going to be used will be looking to rule out other conditions. So you may have your uh, thyroid level drawn. You may have um, cardiac markers drawn just to rule out that those things are not causing the respiratory issues at night. And then imaging studies make sense because you definitely want to look at the anatomy of the patient. Okay. So this is, this is obstructive sleep apnea, the diagnostic test. Let's move on to your responsibility as far as teaching goes. NCLEX is a lot of teaching, whether you're RN or PN, you need to have the teaching in your mind to get out. So behavior modification, any person who is at risk for or has obstructive sleep apnea needs to monitor modify certain things. If you're overweight or obese, you need to lose weight. Even, even sleeping in certain positioning can be challenging. So we will be teaching our patients, hey, if you have obstructive sleep apnea, you're going to sleep worse in what position? What position is going to be the most difficult for a patient with obstructive sleep apnea? What do you guys say? <laughs> All right, because we know you're going to have to change your behavior. Um, we know you're going to have to lose weight and exercise. What position is going to be worse? Oh, that was a good one. I wasn't thinking about that. Somebody said prone position. I was actually thinking of, yeah, what I see here. Nardine says, on your back. On your back is going to be is going to be tough back position. We're just calling it back position. <laughs> supine, supine. All right. But um, somebody did say prone position. I guess prone could be just as challenging if you're going to sleep on your stomach. But yeah, 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 definitely. All right. Other things. I like it. Other things that we have to wa uh, watch out for is alcohol avoid avoidance because drinking is going to act like a depressant to the central nervous system as well. So that's going to make sleeping worse. It's going to help 
uh, increased sleepiness. And also alcohol is not healthy for you because is, al is alcohol going to help you lose weight or is it going to help you gain weight? Ah, one of the things about alcohol, if you drink a lot of alcohol, it will keep you obese because those are nothing but empty calories. You're just drinking a ton of sugar and calories. That's what alcohol is. Um, concomitant medications. These are medications um, that what they do is they also depress the central nervous system and they really should be avoided if obstructive sleep apnea is not treated because benzodiazepines, lorazepam, diazepam, barbiturates, anti-epileptics, uh, um, antidepressants, antihistamines like your um, dihydramine, right? Opiates. These are all going to, these are all going to make sleepiness an even bigger issue. These are all going to make sleepiness even a bigger issue. Positive airway pressure therapy. Yes, that is going to be the time where our continuous PAP comes in, our CPAP comes in. And what this does is it puts in pressure into the pharyngeal airway to keep it what? It keeps it open. And so if that upper airway is open, that means that there is less respiratory collapse and the apnea part of obstructive sleep apnea is taken care of. Oral appliances. Some patients may or may not want to use oral appliances, but uh, they are helpful in order to use in conjunction um, or as an alternative if CPAP is not working for them. So they, these appliances, they help to um, decrease the, what, is, what am I looking for? Decrease the carbon dioxide in the blood. And so they're going to help improve the, um, it's going to improve the oxygenation. But I would say most people are choosing to use the CPAP, the positive airway pressure. Okay, our nursing considerations, client education, we have to do it. We have to establish the diagnosis first, which can be very hard because, again, these patients do not understand how bad they are because they're essentially sleeping at the time. So getting them to go to treatment, getting them to take it serious is going to be a lot of education. So nurses, we have to do that education, probably got to do some counseling and encouraging them to do it. Long-term monitoring is that Essentially, once you start CPAP, you may be on it for a while. Definitely. Um, I think two months is like what the initial treatment period is. And if they don't want to stay on it, hopefully they're losing weight. They're stopping smoking. They're doing what they have to do. But honestly, once my grandma started on her CPAP, thank God, thank God she started CPAP. She continued on CPAP every night. There wasn't, even after she stopped smoking, um, even, you know, even after making the dietary changes, the CPAP just could not be done without. So it was something she had to have every night, every night. And I would just remember one night we drove to Pittsburgh, remember Mark, for a wedding, we drove to Pittsburgh and we forgot her CPAP and we had to drive all the way back from Pittsburgh, from Ohio to Pittsburgh. It was like an hour and a half. So it's so necessary. They can't sleep without it. All right. Travel hygiene, travel hygiene. 
Um, so that just means that driving patients with CPAP, um, sorry, patients with obstructive sleep apnea who are not under treatment, you have to warn them, you have to concern them about the dangers of driving. Driving is so dangerous when you are impaired with sleep apnea or remember because of the sleep apnea, they, they don't have good judgment. They don't have a great memory. And so this is something that, um, that they have to, they definitely have to be made aware of because it says here that the motor vehicle crashes associated with untreated obstructive sleep apnea have been fatal to not only the drivers, but other people. All right. So that means that they're out harming other people, which is not cool at all. And then also um, flying only in the sense that making sure that if a patient is going a distance, that they're they're taking their CPAP with them and they have it as well. All right. Or if you are a pilot and you have obstructive sleep apnea, you making sure you're not flying a plane during that time. All right, guys, so that was our obstructive sleep apnea review. Are you ready for your NCLEX questions? YouTube, it's on you, as well as skydiving. I would not skydive without my CPAP if I had obstructive sleep apnea, because you definitely want to keep that airway open in high-pressure environments. Something to think about, Remar nurses. Here is our first NCLEX question, our first NCLEX question. No, so we did talk about operating, oh, about operating machinery. Well, a vehicle is definitely machinery. So somebody with obstructive sleep apnea, we don't, we don't want them operating machi heavy machinery, um, tractor trailers, meat grinders. What else is considered? List the other heavy machinery in the comments, guys, okay, that I might be missing. Okay, so here's our first question. YouTube, you will have the potential to unlock the bonus question. Unlock the bonus question at the end of it. Here's the first question. A male client reports persistent snoring and gagging during sleep. Mm -hmm. He asked the nurse on how to confirm if he has obstructive sleep apnea. The nurse replies that it is confirmed by, is it one, electroencephalogram? Two, throat nodule biopsy. Three, polysonography. Or four, swallowing studies. Were you here for the review? Did you hear the notes and the content that we went over? Content is king around here. We don't proceed unless we have reviewed the content first because that is the way that it should be. That is the way that it should be. So what do you guys say? All right, all right, all right. Okay, correct answer. I think we're on one accord here. I like it when we're on one accord. Polysonography, of course, this is the study of sleeping. This is the gold diagnostic standard for obstructive sleep apnea. It monitors clients during their sleeping period. Hey, I'm thinking we could do something really cool today. We could go four for four. Nobody has a different answer. So like whoever is the first person that answers the question, y'all just stay on trend with them if they're right. And we all have the same answer just like that. Can we do this? Here's the next question. Okay. 
also too, we have 260 people watching on YouTube right now, only have 55 likes. So if we can get to 110 likes on YouTube, <laughs> so everybody on Facebook, go over to YouTube, like this video, and we'll unlock the bonus question. We have 55, we got to get to 110, and there's 260 people watching. All right, so here's the next question. Here we go. Question number two. In assessing clients with possible obstructive sleep apnea, the, the nurse identifies the following client has the highest risk. Okay. So which client has the highest risk for obstructive sleep apnea? Is it number one, a 19-year-old male smoker with a BMI of 20.5? Two, a 37-year-old female with a history of blood clots. Three, a 12-year-old female volleyball player. Okay, that's it. She's just a volleyball player at 12 years old. <laughs> or four, a 60-year-old male, E-T-O-H, user. That's alcohol user. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, with a BMI of 42.1. We are staying on trend. I told y'all, everybody, Facebook, YouTube, we're all going to go together. We are going to align ourselves. This has never been done before. Never, ever, ever. This is the biggest studying group on the planet right now. I just want y'all to know, this is how we do it around here on Monday. Over 300 nurses, over 300 nurses are studying together on one accord. All right. Wow. And just after that one question, we went from 55 to 108 likes. So we literally only need two more of you guys to do the thing. Do it. <laughs> All right. Correct answer. Oh, is there what everybody? Oh, there was one person that didn't pick the right one. Maybe you made a mistake. The correct answer. The you got the correct answer was number four. Okay. All right. So Caddy, I need you to change it. Change it quickly. You made a mistake. We're going we're gonna to go with number four, okay? Number four. And that is, um, so the non-structural factors that I was talking about, such as obesity, being a male, old age. So this person has the old age, the being a male, the obesity, right? Drinking alcohol. These things are all going to be contributors to obstructive sleep apnea. Let's do it again with question number three is this. The nurse identifies the following to be a daytime symptom of obstructive sleep apnea. Ah, uh, yes. A daytime symptom of obstructive sleep apnea. Early satiety, ringing of ears, short-term memory loss, or hypotension. What say if you guys on this Monday, it's a beautiful Monday. I'm so happy about this Monday. It's a Monday that I've never seen before. I've never seen this day before. So I know it's a gift. It's a surprise. And I'm going to be grateful for it. I'm going to be grateful to be here. What say if you all on today? We have this here. It is of course, number three, good job, everybody. We talked about this. Due to ineffective breathing, 
Obstructive sleep apnea clients are at an increased risk of having low oxygenation to their brain. And so even in the severe cases, because remember, there were stages of this, um, it can lead to brain damage. So the signs of this damage include memory problems, difficulty concentrating, and also moodiness. They are could be a little crabby when you don't sleep as much as you want to. Next question is this. The nurse explains that obstructive sleep apnea, if left untreated, may lead to, number one, cardiac issues, two, thyroid problems, three, urinary urgency, or four, pruritus. Hmm. What do you guys say for this one? I think this one is a challenging one. This one's definitely a little bit challenging, but I'm still hopeful that we will remain on one accord today, even though I'm not seeing one accord. I'm not seeing one accord. I'm going to close my eyes. Let me try it again. The nurse explains that obstructive sleep apnea, if left untreated, may lead to, number one, cardiac issues, two, thyroid problems, three, urinary urgency, or four, pruritus. If you're just hopping on, because now we have a, like 340 students watching, we did a review on this. And so watch the replay of the first part, because this is not something that um that's, you have to guess about. It just is directly related to the condition. So if you know the condition, you can answer any question. That's the trick with NCLEX. If you know the content, it doesn't matter what questions I asked you. You know the information so you can answer the questions. That's my hack. Let's study this content. Correct answer is number one, cardiac issues. As a person with obstructive sleep apnea tries to breathe, their upper airway closes, right? Narrows or closes. So this ineffective force inhalations, they're going to cause changes in the chest cavity pressure, okay? And so when you have intrathoracic pressures that are being changed, it, it can affect the heart over time. Yeah, it can affect the heart over time. Good job. Okay, now let me check in here. Let me let me go to the YouTube channel and let me see how many likes we have. Our goal was 110 and we have, guess how many we have? We have 140. So you guys did it. Did it, did it, did it. Congratulations. It's not always easy to do, but we did unlock our bonus question. Yes, 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 yes. Here we go. Good job. Did you guys get four out of four? Did you guys do really, really, really well? Okay. Now let me challenge you some more with this question. You did it. You did it. You did it. All right. Here we go. Question number five. Here we go. A client with moderate obstructive sleep apnea was advised to use a CPAP machine. However, client expresses being uncomfortable using it. The nurse's best response is, number one, if you do not use a CPAP machine, it can worsen your sleep apnea. Two, provide reassurance by educating the client on how the CPAP machine works. Three, recommend to refer to a healthcare provider on another treatment modality such as oral appliance. Four, reiterate the rationale and benefits of CPAP machine use. Woohoo! 
<laughs> now this is the challenging one, but everything in there, um, everything I told you in the question is going to direct you to the right answer. And I hope you see the right answer because it is there. And we did go over it with the content too. But it's there, it's there, it's there. And I would say this for NCLEX, it's very important that the, um, it's very, very important that you are listening to what your patient is saying. Okay. All right, because when you're not listening to what your patient is saying, you're a dangerous nurse. Very dangerous. I'm giving you time to change your answer because a lot of the answers that I'm seeing, a lot of the answers that I'm seeing right now are wrong. So let me just be very clear. If you pick number two, it's wrong. Okay. Change your answer right now, right now, right now. Change your answer right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Change that answer. <laughs> okay. The correct answer. And it's really different from the other ones. Yeah. It's the only one that's really different. All right. Correct answer is number three. And the reason why it's number three is because the patient said what? Three says, I'm going to recommend to the healthcare provider for another alternative, such as an oral appliance. Because what did the patient say? The patient says, I don't like it. Okay. I'm not comfortable using it. And so for safety reasons, Okay, for safety reasons, we know that this condition is a dangerous condition, right? We know that if a person is not going to be compliant with the treatment, that means that they're going to get in their car and they're going to fall asleep. That means that they're going to start cooking. Like, I forgot which remark nurse said that. That means they're going to go in there and they're going to turn on the oven and then forget that they turned it on because they have short-term memory loss. And so we're going to tell the healthcare provider, all right, that they may need something else because they're not going to be using it. They're not comfortable with it. Yeah. And so I, I like that. You're not, you're not, you're not passing them off to the healthcare provider because you're actually going to be referring them for something else. And that's way better than saying, hey, check this out. This CPAP, you need to use it, all right? Or the CPAP is going to help you sleep. The CPAP is going to make you feel better. Patients don't care about that. Like, they don't want it. Like, it's just like, it, and we have to think about it in this way. I have a six-year-old. He just turned six. And I say, Michael, this broccoli is good for you, right? It's going to help you be strong. It's going to help you not to have anemia. It's going to help you, you know, it's, it's going to help you be regular. What is my six-year-old going to say to me when I tell him how good broccoli is, how everybody loves it, how it's on every menu in a restaurant? And my six-year-old is going to say, but I don't like broccoli, right? I don't want to eat it. And I could say how good broccoli is till I'm blue in the face, right? I could say how good it is till I'm blue in the face. And it doesn't matter because 
the patient says, I'm not comfortable using it, right? I'm not comfortable using it, all right? So that is how we have to listen to our patients and we have to respect them. For clients with mild or moderate obstructive sleep apnea who decline to adhere to the PAP therapy, an oral appliance is a reasonable alternative to PAP. Most clients prefer an oral appliance since it's easier to use. Adherence is essential. It's an essential aspect of successful treatment because modalities have a similar effect on symptoms and the quality of life, the quality of life, okay? All right, so that was our topic for today, our Inplex topic. I do have one more thing before I go, and it's this little thing that I like to do called Monday Motivation for the Nations. Don't watch the clock. Don't watch the clock. It's so tough when you are trying to accomplish a goal, right? Um, remember the theory of relativity. This is uh, a time thing. Time is relative. It is only worth, depends, okay, upon what we're doing as it is passing. So your time is meaningful based on what you are doing. It has a different meaning, okay? So this means that your time and my time are not the same. Hey, isn't that something different? How you are experiencing time and how I'm experiencing time right now is not the same. It's not the same. So I am I am trying to get you guys to stop doing this thing that you do, which is comparing yourself to other people, comparing your journey to other people, comparing yourself to even me. Don't do that. Stop that. Because how we are experiencing our lives is totally different. Social media, Facebook, especially Instagram, where I think it's just totally all about just showing off, flashy, what you get, what you have, where you've been, like they, those things all help us to judge ourselves constantly. Some of us need to take a fast from social media because our times are different. So when I'm doing something like right now, I'm teaching in front of you guys, it's like it's going so fast for me. Time is going by. I'm looking, I've already been talking for almost an hour. But for you guys, it may be slow because you're just like, Regina, come on. You know, <laughs> some of you guys may be thinking like this, this is a long class. You may not be enjoying yourself. I always hope that you are. I always hope that you're having fun. You're commenting, you're in it, but our time is experienced very differently. And we have to think about this this week. So this is what Einstein said. He said, um, but you see it. All right. It always, you see time, you see people experiencing time, but it always depends on how that individual is looking at their time. That's what makes it relative, right? So when you're busy and you're occupied, things go by very fast, right? You, you, you're saying like, wow, we've been studying. It doesn't seem like an hour, but it has really been. It's almost been an hour. Whereas somebody else may be saying, goodness, I've been studying for NCLEX for years now. Like I can't seem to pass this test. It seems like it's going so slow. It's taking me slow so, so long. But yeah, don't look at nobody else's watch. Just like you don't count other people's money, you can't count their pockets. Don't look at their time either because time is different for every single body and it's continuous. It doesn't stop no matter what. It will keep moving regardless of what everybody is doing. So 
Don't watch the clock. Just really keep, keep, keep on the grind. Keep going. Keep going. Because if you're busy, you're reviewing here, you signed up for seven days of NCLEX, you're, you're, you're taking these practice quizzes, hey, you are reaching your goals, you got to keep going, all right? You, you are on the right track. Everybody, if y'all notice, when I play these testimonial videos, what do the Remar nurses say? They say, I've got the program, but guess what? Regina shows up on Mondays, and I study with her on Mondays. We do Monday motivations. They say, she do winning Wednesdays. She come on at 9 o'clock, and I study with her at 9 o'clock, and then I'm in my calendar. They show the books, and there's so many highlighting and pages. So this is the thing, guys. It's like what you're doing in your spare time, how you're choosing to spend your time is going to make a difference when you're sitting in front of that exam. When you're sitting in front of the exam and it's just you and those NCLEX questions, what you've been doing in your spare time is going to show up, right? So if you've been watching a lot of TikTok videos, you're going to hear the mm, 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 and you're going to be like, what is this stuff? But if you've been rocking with me, guess what you're going to hear? Guess what people say they hear while they're taking NCLEX? Guess what they're hearing? They're not hearing Netflix. They're not hearing... <laughs> they're not hearing their kids. They're not hearing their favorite song. They're not hearing their favorite movie. People say this. People say that when they're taking NCLEX, they're hearing my voice. You want to know why? Because they have been studying with me. They have been, that is in their environment. So when they're, when they're in front of the NCLEX exam, they say, I've been here before. I know what I'm supposed to do. Regina said, do this. Regina said, it's like this. We went over this. I saw this in Quick Facts. They're in the bag, right? And so they leave with their license because of how they've been spending their time. And at that point, when you're in front of NCLEX, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter who's doing what on, on Instagram. It doesn't matter you know, who had their license 10 years before you. All it matters is in that time, what you've trained yourself to do. So get training. That's what it's about. You're training before. I can't even, I don't even know how to say it another way. When we see people and they're these Olympic athletes, nobody thinks that they just got up that day and just was in the Olympics. No, they had been training for years for that one day. What are we doing? I'm asking y'all to train for four weeks. Four weeks for one day. And if you train for four weeks for one day, you never have to, you never have to take the test again. You never have to take it again. If you're training appropriately, if you're doing what you need to do during the training period, when the Olympic day comes up, you get the gold medal and then you eat off the gold medal for the rest of your life. That's it. It's like the biggest endorsement you'll ever get. And so time, 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 how you're spending your time this week matter. 